I'll never, under any circumstance, desert you. Nor will I give up on you, nor will I leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's V-L-C-C-A-Z dot org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. As we've been uh, ministering this morning, we start into the offering. The Lord showed me that, go back to the song, We Fall Down. The first two lines. The word says, we fall down and we place our crowns at the feet of Jesus. Our crowns, folks, just as we received our offering, our crowns are something we need to give to God, too. Those are something that we have to yield up and give up ourselves place that at the feet of Jesus. And I really felt this morning as we were practicing and ministering and going through that, that this morning that there's a lot of strongholds that represent crowns in our lives. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, I just saw a whole bunch of hands. This morning we're going to sing, go back just for a very short time. We're going to sing that song. And I would ask this morning, if you have something that's standing between you and God, it may be, well, I could go into a whole bunch of things, but it may be addictions, it may be jealousies, it may be all sorts of things. But God this morning is saying he wants you to bring them, he wants you to bring that. And lay it this morning at the feet of Jesus, at the altar of the Lord. And when you stand up, above all else, you leave it there. You leave it there. Are we okay with that? Thank you. 
for just a moment longer, okay? Because the folks, they understand our strength, our hope, our passion, our purpose comes from God. Can anybody say amen? Amen. As our brother was saying just a moment ago, Dan was just saying, some of you might have come this morning and you got this burden, you got that burden, you got the other thing. Well, folks, you don't need the strength of Tim Masters or the strength of a victorious life. You need the strength of Jesus Christ to grab a hold of in your life. So come on, clap your hands as we sing this song. Come on, everybody. Strength comes from the Lord God Almighty. Everyone, lift your voices and let's just praise Him because His strength is going to rise from the very being of your body. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. 
because of it, our, our God, you reign forever. Our hope, our, hope, our strong deliverer. You are the everlasting God, the everlasting God. You do not change, you won't go. Sometimes you say, Pastor, do we have to get so lively? Amen. Yeah. Well, folks, I'm not sure about y'all. Now, y'all is, is, is southern for you guys and you gals. But you know, my Bible says it's going to be a noisy place in heaven. So if it's going to be noisy in heaven, I think I should practice up. Okay, only half the church said amen. Okay, if it's going to be noisy in heaven, I think we should practice up a little bit. Amen. You say, well, pastor, where is this thing? Well, the Bible says shout to the Lord. Yeah, from, from Psalm 1 all the way to Psalm 150, the Bible's full of lots of noisy instruments. And he says to, to praise the Lord on the loud cymbals. Well, you say, Pastor, I just don't have a good singing voice. That's okay. God said, make a joyful noise. So it's okay. How many noisemakers we got out there? I'm excited about today's message. I, I, uh, years ago when I gave my life to Christ, my goodness, it's been... I don't know, it's been a long time ago. And 
I felt something that I probably had never felt in my life. I felt what true friendship was really like. I felt what a true relationship is really like. Because I came into a relationship with someone who said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had friends in the world that have left me, have forsaken me. But he said he wouldn't. I've had friends in the world that have gone this direction, that direction, when I went the other direction. But he said he wouldn't. He said, no matter how low you get, I'm going to hold you in my righteous right hand. Now, understand, you know, and I, and I teach this on, on Wednesday nights. If you don't come on Wednesday nights, I would really encourage you to come because it's the time that you can ask any question about virtually anything you want to in God's word. Okay. You say, well, pastor, what about things that I have in life? They're all in God's word. So you can ask anything. And I teach on the fact, uh, the difference between God's right hand, and God's left hand. I teach on the difference between God's face and God's presence. And I teach all these different things to understand that when God said, I hold you in my righteous right hand, you know what he's saying? The righteous right hand of God represents the power of God. And you know what? When you're held in the power of God, ain't nobody be messing with the child of God. Can somebody say amen? And God said, I'm going to hold you in my righteous right hand. And God's been holding me for a long time. How about you? But there's an old song that I asked the worship team to, to bring out this morning and dust off. And, and I, I believe sometimes in this world we live that we, that we tend to throw away the old. Last week I, I talked about how the, the new becomes old relatively quickly. Do you realize that just in about 332 days... This new year is going to be an old year. It's going to be over. You know the new thing that you started yesterday is already old. Because that was then, this is now. But there's something about God. God said, my love for you is new every morning. My strength for you is new every morning. My promise for you is new every morning. And that relationship that I have with God continues new. But I think sometimes because we get tired, we get familiar. And in today's society, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying it's right or wrong or good or bad, but a lot of times in church, we do away with the old songs. Because there's a new, there's a, there's a better, there's a hipper, there's a chipper, there's a... But can I tell you the foundation of the Lord was based on a lot of those old songs. You say, well, Pastor, I mean, those old songs ain't that old. Have you read the book of Psalms? How about the book of Exodus? How about the book of Genesis? Where they sang and they praised Him. I think sometimes that we have to come back to that reality that there really is only one relationship that we can base every relationship on. How do I know how to be a friend? I got to know the one that first was the friend. That loved me in spite of me. That gave his all 
even when I wasn't worthy to give it for. I wonder if we could think about it this morning. Everyone, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege. I do it every day, church. Everything to God in prayer. And this is what happens. Ladies and gentlemen, is this not the hope that I need every day? Because Jesus said, I'll never leave. I'll never forsake. He said, if I'm for you, who can be against you? And that that tag, if you will, in musical term, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we will not come to Jesus. And folks, from the depths of my heart, if we learn nothing else this morning, let's learn that Jesus is the one that truly builds the relationship. Let's sing it again, would you, Tay? What a friend we have in Jesus. team. Awesome job. How many love our worship team? Don't they do incredible? Thank you. I don't want to keep you long today. Uh, I I do want to start the morning out by saying thank you all for praying for me. 
as most of you know, I had surgery on my feet a couple of weeks ago, actually about a little over 10 days ago. And, and uh, the doctor said, it'd be about six weeks and you'll be back on your feet. And I said, doctor, I can't, I don't have that much time. So you need to get me on my feet quickly. And so I went to Dr. Jesus and here I am on my feet quickly. Okay. And so it's, it's good. And I even, I took my designer shoes off. Uh, I have just regular shoes. Well, kind of, they're kind of casual shoes. Or I tried to squeeze my my little tootsies into dress shoes this morning, and and my tootsies said, uh, yeah, "You crazy or what?" <laughs> so, yeah, your feet talk to you like that. Mine do. Yeah. yeah so, so anyway, uh, 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 they're not quite my my uh, my duck build shoes I've been wearing for the last couple of weeks, but but uh, they're they're not quite you know. Uh, designer shoes either, but they're good shoes. They work. In our by in our church, I, I'm going to skip a little bit r- right here to the very beginning. Could you put Proverbs 18 up there? Look at this scripture says, "A man who has friends." Thank you, sweetheart. <laughs> a man who has friends. Okay, we'll get there pretty soon. A man who has friends. Okay, this side of the church done good. Let's go over here now. The man who has friends. We live in a very unfriendly world, folks. We live in a world that, my goodness, people, you know, you've heard the old adage, if looks could kill. How many had somebody give you one of those looks lately? Okay, they didn't kill you, so you're at least you're okay. Okay, you know, we have this thing called social media, and I understand the the terminology. I understand that, but it's pretty easy to write things. What happened in the old days when we picked up the phone and said things? Called somebody. Actually reached out. You know, for some of you younger folks here. It's not been that long ago that we really didn't know who was calling when they were calling. And we had to answer the phone anyway. You could make a choice whether you wanted to answer, well, I don't like that person. So, And then all of a sudden they started giving all these little uh, machines you could buy that told you who was calling. I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing. But it's one thing. I got to. I got to start talking here. I'm going to have all these people talking back. And I was say, okay, I'm not sure if I want to hear everything they want to say. But you know, the reality is, if you want friends, it costs you this small reality. You got to be a friend. So for a few minutes, moments today, and I'm going to leave that up there. If you would, please. Um, Paul, I want to talk to you about the most important people in your life. Outside of Jesus, outside of your wife, your husband, your family, the most important people in your life are those you call friends. Now, some of you might sit out there and say, well, I, I, don't, I don't have many or any. Well, today might be for you.
And just because you have lots of friends. Folks, I've got a couple thousand friends on this thing called Facebook. And some of them are just kind of, what do they call them, followers? When I open my Facebook page, I, you know, look at the church page and my personal page and stuff, I'm thinking, man, some of these people, who is this? I don't know. Are they stalking? I don't know. You know, a friend is someone who knows you better than you know yourself. And they still like you. That's one of those questionable things. Okay. You know, I've got, I've got a few folks who know my, my ups and downs, my goods, my bads, my, my ins, my outs, and they, they still call me friend. They know me better than anyone knows me, and they still like me. Let me, let me take you to the Word of God as that Scripture is still up there. Because, see, the pertinence of it is, is if we want friends, we must show ourselves. We've got to be a friend. And, folks, to be a friend means sometimes you've got to be vulnerable. It means you've got to kind of let the curtain down a little bit and say, you know, this is what I'm like. A lot of husbands and wives, when they're first dating, men and women, they're first dating, one of the most fearful things that the wife ever has is that first time that he sees her without makeup. Well, listen, young lady, if he doesn't love you beyond the makeup already, you might need to transition out of that thing. Because, folks, we all have those not-so-pretty times. Don't look at me like that. You have them too. We have those times when we look in the mirror and said, oh, yeah, I remember that. That's ugly. I know that. (laughs) Folks, and this is life. And you know what? Some of those people that need you desperately, they have a lot of those ugly times. They have a lot of those times that look in the mirror and say, this is the best of kids. And they're just hoping somebody says that's okay. They're just hoping somebody says, that's okay. You know, Moses, I don't know if you've ever read the life of Moses, but this guy messed up. This guy blew it a few times. Matter of fact, there was one particular time when Moses wouldn't take care of his fatherly duties in taking care of his children. And the Bible says God sent an angel to relieve him of 20 pounds of ugly fat. He was going to take his head right off his shoulders. And if it wasn't for his wife, gentlemen, if she's not, she should be your very best friend. Mine is. (laughs) This is going to be a great sermon, I can tell already. (laughs) In Exodus 33, The Bible says that God spoke to Moses as a friend talks to a friend. Abraham, we all know, was called the friend of God. And he was actually called the friend of God, not by God first, but by others, because they knew he had such a relationship with God that when Moses spoke, God listened. Not only God listened, but God moved. And then, of course, in John 11, we find Lazarus. When he had died, 
Jesus said, come, we must go see our friend. But I want you to take even further than that. I want to take you to John 15. John 15, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's getting close to the place where he is going to depart this world via the crucifixion. And we know the whole passage in John 16 where everybody's going to leave him. Everybody's going to forsake him. Jesus, even knowing that, in John 15, he said, I don't call you my disciples. I call you my friends. Friends mess up. Friends do things friends shouldn't do. Friends say things friends shouldn't say. But look at Jesus. He knew what they were going to do just one chapter later. And he still said, I call you my friends. He added a little addendum to it. He said, if you do what I say. Well, say, Pastor, how, how do they do what they say when they forsake and they reject? Simply they return. I had a very dear, dear, dear friend. I shouldn't say I had, have. That when I was going through my most difficult time many, 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 many years ago, he wouldn't call, he wouldn't write, wouldn't answer. Basically forsook me. But you know what happened? Just a year or so later, he called and said, please forgive me. There's something about a real friend that even when they blow it, they come back to their senses. And they return. And that's how you know they're real friends. Because I don't know about you, I've let people down before. Anybody besides me done that? And then I come back and say, please forgive me. You see, I have friends over the years where I have made a literal fool out of myself. And they still stood by me, knowing that the damage wasn't permanent. So that's a very positive thing. So let me go back to this passage, Proverbs 18. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. And then we'll look at the second part in just a few minutes. The friend who sticks closer than a brother, this friend, if I can just input this here, is the one that taught us what real friendship is like. You see, being a friend in your notes is key if you're going to have a friend. We're always waiting on them to do something, but God says, what about you? What are you going to do? From Genesis to Revelation, there's only two things that I ever see God has done first. And they both start with the sea. One is creation and one is Calvary. He did creation because we couldn't. He did Calvary because we wouldn't. We wouldn't live a holy life. We wouldn't live a life of repentance. We wouldn't live a life of forgiveness. And so Jesus said, fine, I'll do it for you. And he carried the cross all the way to Calvary. And he said, Dad, I know you love them and I know you love me. It's the only one thing I do before I come back. Is I say, Father, please forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And this is what real friends 
do. Can somebody say amen? Because real friendship, and I want you to write this down. It's not in your notes, but so write it down, please. Real friendship is intentional. Real friendship is intimate. Real friendship talks. They talk. They work through things. They deal with things. They work on things. One of the most difficult aspects that I have learned over many, many years in my life, and you too have learned this, one of the greatest difficulties in the aspect of friendship is not having a friend, but it is being a friend. Why? Because people are people. But to add to this difficulty, listen, the hardest work a person will ever do is keep that friendship in repair and build new friendships. You say, oh, pastor, why? why? Yeah, I kind of relate to that, but why is that so hard? Because we have an enemy, ladies and gentlemen. We have an enemy that is always working against us. And we have one of the other negatives. Life happens. Hi, Carrie. Life happens. And you know what happens when life happens? We want to curl up in a ball somewhere and go hide somewhere. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we won't come to Jesus or we won't go to a friend and say, hey, I need you right here. Am I making sense at all? Why is it so difficult to keep this relationship? Because life happens. And what exacerbates it to the nth degree is we have a devil continually working against us. Let me tell you about a real friend. A real friend knows your weaknesses, but he shows you your strengths. As a leader in this church, as the pastor and as the one that I develop leadership, and we're going to have our leadership class come up here in a couple weeks, and I generally open it to anybody and everybody in the church because the leadership that I teach will help you in your personal relationships. It'll help you in your business. It'll help you in in, uh, your friendships. It'll help you in so many different things if you want to become a better man or a woman. This particular class coming up in two weeks, it's just going to be just for our leaders. But if you'll always keep your eye on the calendar, it's the first Monday of every month, okay? And in this in this class, and, and when I teach this class, I teach the reality that I'm not looking for people's weaknesses. If I have to look for somebody, to find somebody's weakness, all you got to do is show up. I can just watch somebody. I strive to look for somebody's strengths. That's what I believe Jesus did in the Word of God. He looked for somebody's strength, and then he built on that strength. He developed that strength. He multiplied that strength. He encouraged that strength. A real friend knows your weaknesses, but he shows you your strengths. A real friend feels your fears, but he'll help to shore up your faith. A real friend, and it's in your notes, folks, sees your anxieties. But he or she will come alongside of you to free that spirit of victory. A real friend recognizes your disabilities. 
But then they'll come alongside and say, yeah, but we can do this through God. All things are possible. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, where we are weak, a real friend begins to step in and shows us how strong we really are. Isn't that the kind of friend you need? Isn't it? Well, the truth is, that's the kind of friend that we need to be. Because in this world, sadly, nobody quite measures up. Folks, if you, if you look at Facebook, if you look at society and look at the world, so many people. Do you know suicide is on, is on an incredible increase, worse than it's ever been? You know why? Because people don't feel like they just measure up. And you know one of the things that could change that? is just somebody coming alongside of them and say, you can do it. You can do it. I think one of the things that I do a lot as a pastor is just encourage, just to help, to shove. Yeah, come on. Get out of that old funky thing. I remember years ago I used to tell people when they, you ask them, well, how are things? And they say, well, you know, it's, I'm, I'm doing good under the circumstances. You know what I ask them? What the heck are you doing under them things then? Get out of there. Get out of under the circumstances. Dale Carnegie said you can make more friends in... Is that okay? Okay. You can make more friends in two months by becoming interested in someone else than you can in two years trying to get somebody interested in you. You can make more friends in two months by being interested in somebody else more than you can in two years by trying to get somebody interested in you. You see, being interested in others is the best way to bring a person to Christ. And it's also the best way to get somebody to church. Ask somebody to come with you. And then show up yourself. Be there. Sit with them. Smile with them. I meet folks every every week and they say, Well, this person invited me, that person invited me, and and I will I will uh you know I will say something I think is funny, but my humor does. Well, anyway, I won't say it because I know what you all will say. I'll say, well, if it's great, thank them. If it's bad, I don't know what to do. Just do something. This is what it means to be a real friend. They begin to introduce him or her to their other friends. Because they know everybody needs friendships. The second thing that I want to look at quickly this morning is having a friend. Folks, it's not an option. You might feel like you're an island, but nobody's an island. You might feel like you're a rock, but nobody's a rock. Okay, we stand on the rock, we live on the rock, and that rock is Jesus Christ. But the reality, it's not an option for living in or working through this thing called life. See, true friendship is totally invaluable. Real and true friendship is something that you and I, almost without equivocation, cannot live without. Regardless of who you are or who I am, I cannot live without a friend. 
I need somebody. I need somebody to spend time with. I need somebody to be able to talk to. I need somebody every once in a while just to unload on. Is anybody relating to what I'm talking about? You know, once again, as a pastor, my phone is a very, is a very active part of my life. And sometimes it's just somebody say, Pastor, would you pray for this? Pastor, would you pray for that? But a lot of times it's just somebody say, Pastor, I just want to talk to you for a second. Do you have a moment? And then I have people say, well, Pastor, I, I never call you because you're, you're so busy. Call me. That's why I do what I do. I might just say one little thing that will help you, that will encourage you. You know what? You might have an encouragement to me. There's a young man in here, Will Stoneburner. He calls me and texts me regularly. You know why? I just want to tell you I love you, Pastor. I just want to tell you I'm praying for you, Pastor. Folks, that is worth more than you could ever imagine. Because it's always those right times. You say, well, Pastor, I'd like somebody to do that. Why don't you do that for somebody? See, you want to have a friend? God says, be a friend. It's not an option. It's not an option. Oh, yeah, but I'm dealing with this and I'm dealing with that. Let me tell you a true story. This is the lady, two ladies that were in a convalescent home. I think I left it in your notes. They were in this convalescent home, and both of them had debilitating strokes, horrible strokes. Margaret and Ruth, they were great pianists before they had their strokes, and they were devastated. They were bummed out. They were depressed. They were discouraged. Because they saw this beautiful piano sitting in the, in the nursing home. And they knew they could never do anything except play a few little notes with their good hand. Well, a woman that was running the home, a woman that understood to have friends, you got to be a friend. She befriended these two ladies. And she said, Ruth, you know, you got a stroke on your left side. we got another lady in the in the home here that had the same type of stroke on her right side. And both of you are incredible piano players. What if we sit you both at the piano and let you do what you can do with your right hand and let her do what she can do with her left hand? And you know, they sat down and once again, they started making beautiful music. But even more than the music, they developed an incredible friendship. One's weakness became another strength. And another's strength encouraged one's weakness. See, that's what happens when I get those little calls from Mr. Will here. I get calls from others in the church too. I get phone calls of people that just need, I just need somebody to talk to. It's okay. You know why? We all need somebody to talk to. You see what I'm just describing here of these two women? This is exactly how friendship and the church itself should be. What one cannot do alone, the Bible says two or more can do. If we would just put away the differences, put away the issues, put away the likes and the dislikes and come together as a friend. After all, the Bible says, that you and I are supposed to be in one mind and one accord. 
We are to be like-minded. The Bible says that we are to have this mind in us that was in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4. Look at Proverbs 27 says, Iron sharpens iron, and a person sharpens a friend's character. A friend can make you better. A friend can encourage. A friend can challenge. Oh, a friend might irritate. But that's okay. Faithful are the words of a true friend, the Word of God says. More so than the blessings and flowery of an enemy. Ecclesiastes goes further. Look at this. Two are better than one. For they can help each other to succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But if someone falls alone, they're in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying together can keep warm. How can you be warm by yourself? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two, they can stand back to back and say, come on, I got your back. Let them come. And then it says, if you bring just one more in, threefold cord, not easily broken. See, this is the picture of friendship. And if you notice the title of this sermon is Friends Are Not Found, Friends Are Made. Just like you'll never find a three-strand rope by itself. You have to weave that together. You have to come together. Could you imagine if Margaret and Ruth didn't have the person leading that home? They would just sit there in their own little worlds and waste it away. But they said, hey, I know something we can do. So many people in this world just need a friend. Now, I'm going to emphasize something here, so I want you to look at it in your notes. Someone to take the time because they chose to make the time. I've had so many people say, well, Pastor, I was just too busy. Let me take that four-letter word, busy, and put another four-letter word in its place, life. If you're alive, you're busy. I can't tell you how many people that have retired and said, I never realized what busyness was like until I retired. I ask people all the time, did you retire or just get tired? What, what, what? It, it is so amazing when we have nothing to do that we have lots to do. But there's something about coming together as a friend. Let me say it again. A friend makes time. And because they make time, they have the ability to take that time and reach out and show somebody how much they really care. There's a new neighbor in a, in a neighborhood, and, and there were some folks back in the day when we used to put up antennas. Anybody remember those antennas? I remember as a young boy growing up, we would put, we would put rabbit ears up. And then we looked like an alien home because we'd put ten foil between the two of them. <laughs> Try to get better better signal. Anybody do that besides me? Okay. 
Anybody ever crawl up on the roof and almost fall off trying to put an antenna up? Well, anyway, this, this folks, this was back in those days, and these folks had, had just bought a new television set, and, and they were trying to get the antenna, and nobody had, you know, kind of the tools. You know, it's like, look at me at my house. I have some tools, but then I have a neighbor. <laughs> Thank you, sweetie. I got a neighbor, and I tell you what, if I ever need anything to deal with anything, I just call, hey, bub. Can I borrow something? <laughs> and you know what he says? Sure. Matter of fact, would you like me to help? See, that's what a friend does. He just happens to be my neighbor too. So I'm doubly blessed. This man shows up. Saw the struggle and he came walking over there and he had this real fancy toolbox, kind of like the toolbox they brought into the operating room when they worked on my feet. I was doing okay until that craftsman toolbox came rolling in there. And that Dremel saw, and I was okay even with that, but when that hammer and chisel came out, I was a little nervous. Okay. This man shows up and, and he's got this fancy toolbox and he has the job done in no time. Well, all of a sudden, the folks around there, they start congratulating each other on the job well done, how it just got come together. And then somebody asked the guy, said, hey, my name's so-and-so, and, and uh, we, welcome to the neighborhood. It's interesting how things can happen just over people coming together. Friendships can develop because somebody took the time. And somebody asked him, said, so what do you, what do you make with that fancy toolbox? And his response says it all. Friends, mostly. If you'll take the time. We sing that song this morning, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. One of my all-time favorite songs. Why? Because that's what happened in my life. Was Jesus built a friendship with me. Because I reached out to him. Now folks, I'd love to tell you it the other way around. But he's always reaching out. But until you choose to take the time, because you've made the time, you don't reach back. He's always say, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I want to give you rest. Well, the Galatians has it this way in 6.2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. See, it's not just a, just a thought of something to do. It's actually an imperative. He said we're supposed to lift each other. We're supposed to encourage each other. We're supposed to go to them even when you don't think they need it or want it. I'm sure, you know, my, my wife gets a little nervous around me because she said, honey, you're always inviting yourself to people's houses for dinner. <laughs> How else am I going to get over there? It's coming, Stan. How else am I going to get to your house? You know, every once in a while, I just show up and knock on the door. Well, shouldn't you call them first? No, because they'll pretend they're not home. <laughs> I just make the time. I remember I showed up over at uh, Frank and Mindy's house one day. I just showed up. 
was fun. She brought the biscuits out. She was feeding us. She was taking care of us. I don't know what I did. She hasn't invited us back. So I, I'm sure I must have done something. I'm not sure. That's okay, Frank. Your feet are okay, right? Good. I just stepped on his foot. Don't return the favor, please. What, what, folks, you can take the time because you make the time. Life is busy. Life is busy. And I have to say that sometimes, you know, when you do make that time and you take that time, it may be an opportune time and it may be an inopportune time. But it's okay. We need to be a friend if we're ever going to have a friend. True story happened in World War I. This young soldier, they were fighting this horrific battle and his friend didn't make it back. And so he went to the commanding officer and he said, Sir, sir, can I go out and bring my friend back? The commanding officer, because he was a realist and he, you know, he's just sitting there looking at the whole thing. And he said, he said, son, you know, your friend is probably dead. And if you go back, if you go out there, it's going to kill you. Well, the commander was convinced, and the young man left the foxhole, went out to his friend, picked him up, and carried him back. They both fell into the foxhole. The friend was dead, and the young man was mortally wounded. The commander said, I told you what would happen. I told you your friend was dead. And I told you you would probably mortally wound yourself and you too would die. He said, I told you it wasn't worth it. But the young man looked at the commander and he said, yes, sir, it was. Because when I got there, he was still alive. And he said, Jim, I knew you would come. See, there's some of our friends that are struggling. There's some people that are hurt. There are some people, they need desperately a friend, but they don't know how to reach out or they can't reach out or something. They need you and I to step across that barrier called convenience. Why? Because the main business of friendship is to help sustain and make bearable others' burdens. That's our main job. It's to call somebody and say, hey, is there anything I do to help? Anything you need? Can I tell you, I, I, the people I call, I was on the phone this morning with somebody. Can I, can I just, is there anything you need? Anything we can do? And the person said, yeah, there's some things. And, and so my wife and I are, are going to work on it and, and try to get it all worked out. But the reality, folks, one of the reasons we don't call, one of the reasons we don't, is because we're afraid they really do need something. We live in a busy world. That's why we have to make the time. See, getting through the tough times, offering encouragement when people desperately need it, shoring up each other when they face unfairness is one of the greatest tasks 
of a real friend. Even that time that you have to step in, and I want you to hear this, when you've got to step in and challenge them because they're messed up. That's what a real friend does. A real friend will step out and step in and say, I want to hold a mirror up because I want to show you what stupid looks like right now. And what you're doing is stupid. Can I use that word? Are you all okay? A real friend will step out and say, you need to stop. Proverbs 27 said, the wounds of a sincere friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. Let me begin to wrap this up this morning. Real friendship is a commitment of heart and life. It's intentional, it's purposeful, and it's committed. Can you have too many friends? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I can tell you this, you'll only have a handful, if not just a fingerful, of those that are real friends, those that are true friends. Yeah, this church. You want friends? Show yourself. Folks, we we love folks. We love folks. (coughs) I remember reading about the old uh, UCLA football coach, Pepper Rogers. Some of you are old enough to remember him. He was going through a rough season. He was having a hard time, and, and the struggles he had at work were coming at home. They were affecting him and his wife. They were affecting the family. And, and one day he walks up to the, to the wife, and, and he recalls that he told her, he said, Honey, my dog is my only true friend. And then he told his wife, he said, I need at least one more true friend. So she bought him another dog. <laughs> I think we better fix the home life, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) The whole concept of real friendship, and this is what it all boils down to, belongs to one man, and his name is Jesus. He is one who the Bible says sticks closer than a brother. He is the one that taught us how to be a friend. I want you to show what Jesus did. The shortest verse in the entire Bible is two words. And it says, he wept. Jesus looked at God's people. And he wept over Jerusalem. He rejoiced with his disciples. And he prayed for the people. And listen to this. He talked to his enemies. And ultimately, he died for the world. He was all. He did all. He gave all. That we could be all things to all people. That by all means, we might win some. That's a true friend. Good times, bad times, 
up times, down times. I want to do a little Bible study for you just for a moment. There's a word in the Bible that's called choice. It's got different structures of it, choose, chose, but it all comes down to choice. And that word is cho- that word choose or that word choice or that word to choose is used frequently throughout the Bible. And it's much more than a benign term. Because when we choose to accept, simultaneously we are choosing to reject. This is why the Bible says, choose Christ. And how do you know you chose Christ? Because you rejected the world. When you make a friend, it's not just a benign acquaintance. It's not just somebody coming together. It is an active, participatory choice that you and I have to make. That's what differentiates a friend from an acquaintance. I've got thousands, literally, acquaintances. But I only have a handful of friends. Because to choose to accept them as a friend means you have to reject the baggage that comes along. You see, God chose Abraham to build his covenant. God chose Israel to be his people. God chose Jerusalem to be his city. God chose David to be his king. But in choosing them, he also chose to reject their past failures, their shortcomings, and the things they could not accomplish without him. To fulfill the future. This is what you and I do. This is one of the greatest difficulties that we have in friendships. And in relationships. And in companionships. You know, people say, well, I fell out of love. No, you didn't fall out of love. You fell in love with yourself. You thought you were all that in a bag of chips and she wasn't. Now, folks, don't get me wrong. Everybody has bags. Hopefully, they've been opened and dumped before they showed up at your place. But when I chose my wife, folks, I've said this for years. Choose your love and then love your choice. Real simple. Bless you. You know why? Because I know I'm a little shocked, some of y'all. My wife has a couple things that are issues. I just said two. And that might be stretching. It might just be one. But if it's just one, that means I'm the issue. So it's got to be two. You need another dog. Hmm. But think about it for just a moment. 
Think about it for just a moment. How many people have chosen a friend and then rejected them because they didn't line up to what you thought a friend should be? Did you ever think maybe you didn't line up what they thought a friend should be either? And because I don't want to work on it? You see, when we do what Jesus did, when we do what the Word of God teaches, when we do this with friendships, then you can begin to build a lasting relationship. When we accept a friendship, we are to reject whatever that person may have been or where they stood before you came together. A real friend rejects their past to build a future. That's why friends used to last a lifetime. Folks, look at me for just a second. Every one of us have a past. Every one of us. And if some of us knew the past, we wouldn't want to be a part of your present. But thank God for Jesus. Come on, yes. Thank God for Jesus. Who said, if you'll let me, and you'll choose to make the time and take the time I will turn your past into the past and I'll build you a glorious future. Can somebody say amen? Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times. But you know who this friend that sticks closer to than a brother? He is also this one talked about in the 17th verse, a brother that is born for adversity. And he showed that to us in John 15, 13, when he said greater love is this the one that would lay down his life for his friends. You and I would not know or even have the concept of friendship except for what Jesus bestowed upon all mankind. It is when all else fails that we find out who the friends are. A true friend comes in when everyone else goes out. Oh, it might take them a day or two, a week or two, a month or two, a year or two. Hebrews 13 said, be content in what you have. I'm reading out the Amplified Bible. It's, you know, if you want a, you want a Bible that will give you so much more insight into God's Word, buy an Amplified Bible. It's going to be thicker. It's going to be more filled, but you'll be more fulfilled because it takes the nuances of the word and actually writes it into the passage. Look what it says here. Be content with such things as you have, for he has said. Who is he? Jesus. Jesus had said, I'll never, and I love what's in the brackets, under any circumstance. When he said, I'll never, He said, I'll never be under the circumstances. He said, I'll never under any circumstance desert you. Nor will I give up on you, nor will I leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless. Relax the hold that I have on you. And then concludes, assuredly not. Folks, you can take that to the bank. 
Jesus said, I'll never, never, ever. As the worship team comes, there was an old Scottish man who had a relationship with God. And he fell quite ill. So the family called the minister to come see him. Well, as the pastor entered to the sick man's room, he noticed that there was another chair on the opposite side of the bed that was pulled up close. And the pastor said, well, Donald, I see that I'm not the first visitor you had all day. And, and the old man looked at the pastor and was kind of puzzled for a moment until the pastor nodded in recognizing the chair on the other side of the bed. And the old man looked at him, well, pastor, I'll, I'll tell you about the chair. Many years ago, I found it difficult to pray. Please listen to me. Please listen to me. I left this in your notes because I wanted you to, to see this, but listen to me. He said, many years ago, I found it difficult to pray. And I was talking to a friend of mine, and he said, I used to have a difficulty praying too until I, I had this idea that I just draw a chair up next to me, and I'll talk to that chair. And he said, it's amazing how soon it looked like Jesus was sitting right there. And he said, so when I began to pray, it changed everything. I put the chair, and, and it looked as if, oh, it may be just in my mind's eye, but that Jesus was sitting there, and I was talking right to him. And the old age Scott said, I've been doing it ever since. Well, a short time later, the daughter of this Scott called the pastor. And, and he answered, she informed him that her dad had died very suddenly. And that she was quite shaken for she had no idea death was so near. And then she continued, I had just gone to lie down for an hour or two, for he seemed to be sleeping so comfortably. But when I went back to the bed, my dad was gone. And then she added thoughtfully, except now, his hand was resting on an empty chair on the side of his bed. Isn't that strange, Pastor? And the pastor said, no. Not strange at all. Because Jesus was holding his hand and walked him home. You see, folks, when we let Jesus be this friend, he'll always hold our hand. And you know what he'll do? He'll take you and he'll introduce you to other friends. And they said, take their hand. Oh, I don't know if I like their hand, Pastor. It's not like my hand. Jesus said, that's okay. Yeah, they have a past. Just like I took you past your past, I'm still working to get them past theirs. But right now, they need a friend. They need a hand they can grab a hold of. It says, come on. We can get through this together. Together. Just like Jesus has taken your hand and walked you through time after time after time. Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Can I tell you that we got friends? They need to know that. They need to know that when, when they need somebody to talk to, they can call and, and pastor will pick up the phone and pastor will listen and pastor will talk to them. Can I tell you that most people are not calling looking for answers? They're just looking for listening. Somebody just to talk to. 
they just want to know that somebody's there. This is the picture of a friend that sticks closer than a brother. No matter what, they're always there. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. some friends why don't today you start out by being a friend well how do I do that how about picking up the phone and calling that person you haven't talked to in a while how about picking up that phone and calling that person that you haven't forgiven how about picking up a phone and calling somebody that they never thought in a million years you'd call them again. How about walking up and knocking on somebody's door? Yeah, but how, how do you know that they're expecting me? Oh, they're probably not. But they might be expecting Jesus right then, and Jesus will just have your clothes on. You see, having friends means being a friend. I've had people over the years tell me, Pastor, I have no friends. And I, folks, I'm not one to mince words. I ask them, what are you doing about it? Because generally when we don't have friends, it's not always the outside issue. Well, you say, but I, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. Well, one man famous just said, you try or you do. You can't do both. I have lots of friends because I've made a choice to reject what was to accept what is I made a choice Jesus 2,000 years ago made a choice and he said Terry no matter where you've been I'm with you right where you're at Trust me that I'll get you where you're going. And he will. He will. I'll never leave. I'll never forsake. Sometimes I just need somebody to show up. I think that God will never send a gift so precious as a friend. A friend who always understands and fills each need as it demands whose loyalty will stand the test when skies are bright or overcast, who sees the fault that merit blame, but keeps on loving just the same, who does far more than creeds could do to make us good and to make us true. Earth's gifts a sweet contentment lend, but only God can give a friend.
You want friends? Show yourself friendly. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.